Today on Tune, I'm talking to Professor Susan Wilson from UNE. Sue leads the UNE's Pollution Science Research Group, which works on emerging pollutants, including microplastics, which is what we're talking about today. Thanks for coming in, Sue. Thanks very much for having me. So how long have you been researching pollutants and microplastics for? Oh, since I got into university, I did environmental science chemistry degree and environmental science um, PhD. So about 30 years now, I've been working on different pollutants. Now some of them are legacy pollutants like PCBs and dioxins. Um, and I've progressed to looking at emerging issues such as pharmaceuticals and antibiotic resistance and microplastics as well is one that we're currently working on and PFAS which is also important for Australia at the moment. So microplastics are an emerging pollutant. How long have we known about them for? Okay so they're emerging our knowledge as about them as a pollutant is emerging but we know we've been producing plastics since the 1950s and they have they're wonderful and terrible plastics we use them in all parts of our society but really it's only in recent years that we've understood the the issues we probably have quite an important pollutant issue and we don't quite know what that pollution issue is and the concerns with microplastics in the environment so as the name implies, you know, they're, they're pieces of plastic that are very, very small. How do we differentiate between a microplastic and a piece of plastic that just happens to be small? Is there yeah, so cutoff? microplastics are small size plastics and they're less than five millimeters in diameter, basically. And they go down to nano size as well. And those are the problem for us. Large plastics are a problem. They block drains, they block um, environments, but the microplastics can move. Um, and, and they also have unique properties. They move in the environment. So they're basically plastics that have been broken down through light or wind or heat. Um, they move in the environment. Um, they cause issues themselves. They can be ingested. They're small enough to be ingested by small organisms and they damage and they cause blockages. But they also bring with them a host of chemicals. And we know at least 13,000 chemicals are associated with these plastic particles, only 7,000 of which we, we know something about. Um, and then again, only 3,000 of which, and that's quite a large number anyway, we know have some hazardous properties. So they bring the chemicals with them. And also because they're small particles, they absorb other chemicals very strongly. And they act as transporters of other types of pollutants like metals um, to organisms in the environment. So what are the challenges with researching something this small? Um, their, their size, um, trying to extract them from our environmental matrices. Um, sometimes our extracting solutions will digest the plastic, so we lose them. We don't have standards, easy uh, attainable standards for plastics. Our methods actually aren't standardized, and there's a lot of um, focus on that at the moment. Um, and also, when we're looking at these chemicals, um, we our analytical capability for many of the chemicals is also I'm not quite there yet. So there's a lot of work and there's a lot of focus in microplastics to try and improve in all these different areas. Yeah, because, you know, my understanding is that microplastics in the form of microbeads have been around since at least the 50s. So are we seeing now many more or is the amount that we're seeing almost a knock-on effect from ongoing years of plastic use. Yes. Um, a bit, there, there's a lot of bans, at least in um, westernized countries, on microplastics in, 
it being produced as primary microplastics in products. Still, some products have them, and we need to work towards not them not being present anymore, not needing those use. But it is a knock-on effect of the the the, the extent of microplastics that we have in the environment. Um, of the plastics we use and the breakdown of plastics being littered throughout the environment. So actually an important microplastic um, are fibrous microplastics. They're the ones that really move with our wind currents and we find them in all areas of the globe where we've never had plastics like Antarctica. Um, and they're fibrous um, plastics in our clothes. In fast fashion, a high proportion um, of fashion garments um, are plastics and they form fibers that end up in our washing machines and end up in discharge from our washing machines and hence into the environment. And they will move, um, not just in soil and water, but with global air currents. So how do we collect and reduce the amount of microplastics out there? Um, it's it's almost um, a, a difficult one to be able to remediate. As such, we need to prevent microplastics going into the environment. We need to move towards a circular economy. And there are lots of actions at international to state level in Australia to make that happen. Um, but we need to reorientate and diversity the plastics that we use. Um, we need to not have um, single-use plastics that just end up in the environment environment um, and we need to basically reuse and recycle all our plastics so that no more ends up in the environment um, and then we will hopefully have this as we're not sourcing them into the environment they will gradually lessen the load in our environment. You mentioned earlier that um, one of the ways that you analyze and collect the microplastics sometimes destroys them. Yes. Is that a solution or is that itself too dangerous? It, 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 it could be a solution in some areas, but microplastics are so widely dispersed it wouldn't be a solution for the whole of the globe. Um, but we do have um, good science and the Australian government actually just before Christmas funded um, what's called a cooperative research centre on solving plastic waste. Um, it's a big priority of governments at the moment. Um, and part of that research is to try and understand remediation methods. That It's a collaboration between um, universities and industry. It's, yeah, it's a collaboration between industries and um, universities to solve not just um, plastics in the environment, but also prevent plastics going into the environment. You know, they're everywhere. You know, we've found yes. them in our bodies. We've found them in clouds. It's not just the soil and the ocean. So we know where they're found we kind, do we kind of have an understanding of their effects? Um, we do to some extent. We do know that um, they have impacts, adverse impacts on reproduction, um, on growth, um, on our immune system. Um, they disturb our metabolic processes and they cause inflammation. But really the long-term term eff effects of these adverse impacts on our system is unknown at the moment. We don't know. We just don't know. That's almost more terrifying, yes. really, isn't it's it? troubling. Yeah. Do we have an idea of how it, you know, plants grow in soil, as we all know, yep. and if there's microplastic in the soil, does that then become 
you know, drawn up into the plant through the xylem and, and the roots as they draw on the nutrients? Yes, so, so that's quite recent research at the moment. And again, it's a lot of unknowns. Again, lots of gaps in this research. We do know that plants can take up microplastics. Um, but what they do to the plant and the effects through the different plant systems, um, again, lots of gaps, not been very much research done on this Yeah. Is there an area that you're focusing on right now other than um, what you mentioned before with the collaboration? Yes. Um, so actually, exactly that. We're, we've got a PhD student who's just started with us that's looking at microplastics in agriculture. And she's going to look at the quantification of microplastics in um, underdeveloped nations where, where they have huge issues and um, are less aware of the science um, or, or less have the capability to um, enact the science. Um, and she's also going to look at the impacts of microplastics on agricultural crops, um, on the metabolism. Metabolism, growth, um, and productivity. Yes, yeah, so that PhD student has just started, but we have another PhD student who's just finished and very successful PhD, where she's been looking at the microplastics that we gen- generate in large sporting events, the ultra trail mm. running events, where we have lots of people with their shoes and their clothes, and how much uh, microplastics are sourced into the environment. And it was really quite significant. She's got many peer-reviewed journals. She's one of the first authors, um, researchers in this space, that in these big sporting events that are crucial, they improve our health, improve our mental well-being, but we're also dispersing a range of different microplastics from the gear that we take, not just the litter, into these sometimes pristine environments. So we're really advocating um, with with our knowledge on the uh, on the um, the dis- the generation of the microplastics um, to get to industry to communicate to industry to rethink and redesign their products so that we're not having such an impact on the environment with our sporting gear. How can we as consumers contribute to that push, you know, making companies hear that we want less plastics, that we want more renewable and sustainable items and objects? Yes. Advocate, advocate, advocate. Every opportunity that you have, do it in your own personal space, in your home. Have a look at the waste you use, the plastics you use, the waste you generate. Reduce it where you can and get every opportunity to advocate um, for plastics bans. And in fact, in New South Wales at the moment, we've got a consultation opportunity that's open to anybody um, where they're looking at a second phase of dealing with single-use plastics and they want community input into that. So I, I, I encourage everybody to jump onto the New South Wales EPA website and have their say. What is the future going to look like with microplastics? Like that's a really big one. I know we can't predict it, yep. but we're starting to get an idea. If we yes. don't do something, what's going to happen? If we don't do something, we will have billions. It's estimated by 2050, if we don't do anything, we'll have over a thousand billion tons of plastic in our environment. We have to do something. And we do know that we have to do something. So the future does look better than, um, than I felt it was 10 years ago when we were. There was an emerging concern in the science community about plastics in the environment, particularly in the oceans, less knowledge in um, terrestrial systems, but now we know it's everywhere. 
Um, but because there's um, an international um, panel um, to where we're going to have um, produced by 2020, the end of 2024, a global plastics treaty where all the UN nations of uh, members have um, got on board with that. Um, there's action plans at national and state level. So it does look better, um, at, but we need to keep the momentum up with this work. We need to support the scientists and we need to have partnerships and buy-in from industry and governments to make it happen. Thank you so much for coming in today, Sue. Um, it was really great to get your perspective and your expertise on this subject. And I hope people have been encouraged to go out there and, and help out in any way they can, including by just picking up plastic off the side of the road. If we can minimize that, right, we minimize yep. at least some of the microplastics. Yep. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.